everybody, and welcome to In Scripture Podcast. Today, we are starting out a very interesting chapter in James chapter 4. Uh, we're going to wrap this one up, and then we'll see what brings us us afterwards. We got plans, but of course, we're going to leave the element of surprise for you guys. But to start today, let's. Uh, I'm going to open a discussion about churches. So, Very interesting topic. Uh, churches is always interesting, depending on the context. What church do you go to? <laughs> church, uh, yeah, uh, being members or attending a specific church, so, for some reason, that seems to be always a very heated topic among people. Mm-hmm. That some people will view people just because they're going to a different church, although they might have the same belief system, but because they're going to a different church, their church is not right because their church is not our church, right? And you saw the difference for some reason, people become very judgmental. But at the same time, we are people, we make mistakes. And sometimes, and very unfortunately, these mistakes can be inflated uh, to a lot more importance than what they really are and start splitting churches. Yeah, and, and church splitting, what I wanted to add to that, there's so planting churches is a wonderful thing. Yes. When a church puts people in charge, puts money together, and opens up a church in a further location because they want members to start growing there. They want the church to expand there. That is amazing. And then you get into a topic, like you said, church splitting. Church splitting now is, I think, a, a lot more scary of a topic. It's a topic that you don't, you don't want to live through a church split. Now, I will say I haven't ever been through a church split, and um, I don't think Vlad has either. I'm no. not sure about... I, have I know Serge. Serge is our Serge church split expert. Church split expert. Wow. <laughs> I don't think I like that title. but He I wasn't have, the cause of it, but he was in it. I, I, I have been part of a church split before, and it was not pretty. I mean, it's sad, and, and, and honestly, it's, it's, it is pretty common. And well, the thing is, for me back then, I wasn't really too engaged in the whole. You know, I'm just for the sake of conversation, the whole political system of the church, you know, like the pastors, the deacons, their roles, their jobs, their beliefs, and all that, all the importance. I was about 18, 17, 17, 18 at that time, um, very, fairly young, and, you know, prime time of my youth, doing things, involved in every single ministry. And because of how involved I was, the church seemed great, honestly, for me. Like, Bible studies were great. Orchestra was great. Youth choir was great. Awana was great. Sunday school was great. I was doing all those things, right? Just like any other youth person today, being involved in six, seven different things, which is fine. But when the church, when that whole splitting thing happened, unfortunately it was for political reasons, but uh, when that happened, that is when I really started to become interested in what makes up a church. Why does this actually happen? Why do pastors disagree? Why do we elect pastors the way we elect pastors? Those type of things, Right. And looking back now, like, I know it might seem dumb and totally, you know, un, un, not as important as people make it out to be. Mm. But those kinds of things is what starts these, you know, as we're going to talk about quarrels yeah. among members of church. And you would think that people of God should be able to deal with these kinds of things, you know. Like, I understand, like, what Alex mentioned, that if you are splitting off, say, 50% of your congregation, um, you know, 50 miles across the city uh, to plant a church so that you can engage the community and get more 
uh, win more souls for Christ. That is good. That's church yeah. planting. Good intentions. And biblical. And biblical. And scripture calls us to that. Uh, but church splitting is when you disagree on certain things, whatever they may be, people become hostile towards each other. They start to hate each other. They start to look down on each other, talk down on each other. And eventually people get fed up and they split away from the church uh, with this hatred, ungodly, like, I don't want to say even love, it's just plain out ungodly hatred towards each other. And sometimes they'll become friends again, but they'll still remain the two separate churches. Sometimes they'll come back. Uh, well, actually very rarely do they ever come back. Uh, more often than not, they either remain enemies, uh, sometimes they become friends, or they just kind of forgive each other, but they don't really interact with each other. Yeah. So, but I have, and it was it was a very sad thing for me to experience because I had to say goodbye to a lot of friends. Um, you know, like I had to give up some ministries. It breaks friendship, breaks families. Yeah. It even breaks up, you know, pastors in yep. their relationship. Yep. Between the only friends. positive I took out of that for myself is that it woke me up spiritually to be more engaged and aware of what a church is mm -hmm. and how biblically it should be run. So that's my experience. And that. you know, from thinking about this, I kind of, I kind of was thinking it's <clears throat> usually churches, church splits don't happen because of theology. Church splits happen because of rules. A lot of rules because a lot of one person's pride. James is going to talk about that today, right? Those desires for pleasure. Um, but theology, usually if somebody disagrees with a theology or something gets changed, people people leave, but the church itself doesn't just split. It's mm -hmm. usually if uh, members that don't agree just leave. Um, it's different, right? But when you bring in rules, um, and this is kind of where I want to come in, I've been to you know three different churches, and even though the faith, the doctrine, the theology, all that's the same, they're even under the same, how do you say, uh, they're under the same kind of, you know. Teaching. Uh, ba big Baptist congregation, meaning mm -hmm. like, um, yeah, they're under the one union of, of Baptists. Um, church rules were always different. Mm -hmm. Each church had its own rules. And those rules is what oftentimes caused churches to split because one person that has a lot of say in that church could either change his mind or want to do something different or want to change the rules. A new pastor comes in. And then that's where I think the strife starts happening. Um, but what James says is it's really what's inside of us. We come to church and sometimes we bring what's inside of us that's worldly. We bring that into church and that we take out on other members or other um, fellow church brothers mm -hmm. and sisters, right? So... Um, I think I was kind of thinking, what, what's an easy way to explain? I think um, church planting is something that a church does in agreement. Church split is something that church does in disagreement. So, you know, a church disagrees on something and literally splits up. Um, but when you go to plant a church, I think usually the whole church is excited about it and, and votes on it and agrees to do it. So mm -hmm. um, anytime you have, you know, <clears throat> a lot of people agree to do something good, it's a good thing. But obviously, if you have people that split up, um, it is it is pretty, it's tough. It's tough. And I, I think it's one of those things that you can't always control. Mm -hmm. 
but you can always try not to be the reason for it. Yeah, it's it's tough because usually the it involves a lot of people, right? Yeah. So a lot of times, like you say, you can't control it, but you can maybe influence it to some degree, whether from a good point or a bad point. Hopefully, not the bad point. Yeah, and I think I think uh, James will kind of um, talk about this, but you know, if you look at just a few reasons or a few things that we could all do, is is really three things: is you have to have love, you have to have humbleness. And you have to have um, God be mm-hmm. your um, in your mind, in your life, be your life about God. If you have those three, you will understand that nobody's perfect. The pastor's not perfect. The deacons aren't perfect. I'm not perfect. My friends aren't perfect. The youth pastor's not perfect. Nobody's perfect, but we all come to one place to serve God. And if we all come into agreement, and if we all have that humbling towards each other and understanding and um, then church splits are a, a lot less likely to happen because mm-hmm. you understand where you are. But once once pride, that word, once pride builds up um, and you bring that into the church, that's where you're going to cause strife. And Let's go ahead and uh, read James 4. Uh, so we're going to only focus on the first five verses today. Um, I'll go ahead and read that, and then we'll begin our discussion. Uh, so James chapter 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that the friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? All right. I want to kind of open up James 4 and kind of put everybody um, to focus on context. Context is important. And the context of James 4 is uh, James is really professing to Christians, and I wrote here in my notes, that are outwardly associated with the church, but hold a deep affection for the world or uh, something in the world that they're friends with, uh, that they have a very keen interest on, and they just let the world be part of their life. Inside of church, they might be one way, but when they go outside the church, they're a different way, and what that leads to is them bringing what's outside of the church in the church. Mm -hmm. And it starts with what's inside of you, um, what's inside your heart. And James kind of opens up, you know, where do wars and fights, disagreements, Splits, you might even say, right? Uh, where do they come from among you? Where do they come from? And and then he kind of says, do they not come from your desires for pleasure? So desires for pleasure um, was kind of like, I was kind of thinking about that. What does that really mean? Uh, because we, we as humans, we desire a lot of stuff. Um, I think it's pretty broad here. Yeah. Um, if you think about it, uh, even not just necessarily church splits, right? Uh, that's kind of, I want to say, more on the extreme level of when what quarrels lead to, mm-hmm. but just the whole thing of what causes quarrels, right? He says is because of our passions. And I believe, um, you know, if you read scripture as a whole, our passions can be very many things. It doesn't necessarily have to be um, uh, what's it, fleshly type passion, well, I guess physically fleshly type passions, right? It could be a hunger for power, right? 
people can want to become a senior pastor because um, wrongly, meaning they like to influence people, they like people to look up to them, they like to make decisions, not necessarily because they want to lead godly people to serve God, right? They just like to be able to sit high, look down on people, and you know, be the one in charge. I think that's a very wrong reason to become a pastor. Uh, but people want to do it for the power. There are definitely, and if you read First uh, and Second Peter, Peter talks about that. That there's people that will want to be leaders just for the sake of power, and I think that is definitely what. Uh, and people see that. People will see a person being whether they're authentic or not, and it can start small. It can start with you being in Sunday school in Awana, right, as a helper, and then you're gonna start to grow. You start to experience, taste some of the power. I don't say power, but you taste some of that, right? Authority, when you become a leader, maybe you eventually become a director and you just kind of continue to grow. But if you're growing for the wrong reasons, people are going to feel that and it's definitely going to cause disagreements among people. I think power is definitely one of the things that what causes quarrels amongst people. What do you think? So when it says passions here in this section, it's referring to what you, you if you could summarize, would you say it's self-centered desire? It's almost like the flesh. Yeah. Yeah, say, desires for pleasure. It's, yeah, for your self-centered desires. The thing we have to think about is we know that anytime Scripture does talk about pleasure or desire of sort, it's never talking about anything good. It's always, it's always more flesh. What's mm-hmm. in your flesh? What do you desire? Um, having that desire, that's what, that's what causes that war. And it says that war in your members, talking about um, bodily members, because. We can't confuse that it's not talking about the members of the church. It's talking about the war in your members. It's still talking about you and you individually, your body, what you have, what you have inside of you. It's definitely going to affect the members of the church. Right, right? it is. But in this it context... It starts with you. It starts with you. James is big on you. What mm-hmm. are you doing, right? Um, and to kind of um, back that up, if you look at the keyword members, um, we know that Apostle Paul writes in Romans... Uh, chapter six, thirteen. He also was talking about um, bodily members, uh, and then he mentioned in chapter six, verse thirteen, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And of course, our body me- body members are a lot of our things. Everything we do with our body. Um, you know, we talked about the tongue. James did talk about the tongue, right? Uh, talking about that member of your body. So whatever whatever we use our body, our, our life, um, to present ourselves to God as being alive from the dead. That's what we have to strive to do. That's what, James, that's what uh, Apostle Paul talks about in Romans. So I think kind of going back to this is if you have desires for pleasure, um, that's what's going to cause that war in your members, in your body, and if you have that war, you're going to bring that into the church. Well, it's interesting because it says, is it not this that your passions are at war within you? Are you saying, so are you saying the war part, is that referring to member versus member? Or is that something that you are battling on the inside with Battling yourself? on the inside. Okay. Yeah. And um, that's kind of where I was, that's kind of where I was headed. And I think, you know, looking at, if we look at verses two, and we obviously get into this, but verses two through five, um, we we see that really 
kind of Paul goes deeper into, or uh, I'm sorry, James kind of goes deeper into it, right? He kind of opens up the picture a lot more. Um, he says, you lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. So he takes the term and he brings it back to you. Um, he says that you don't receive what you ask because you receive it for your pleasure, right? For your desires for pleasure. Um, and he kind of, he that's the thing. He like opens opens these few verses with an idea, but then he wraps up the idea at the end um, by saying in verse four, adulterers and adulteresses. So what I wanted to do was kind of make a point where read verse four, adulterers and adulteresses and think, what does he mean by that? And there's your answer starting in verse two. He says, you lust and you do not have, you murder and covet and you cannot obtain. He's talking about spiritual side. Do you guys agree? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I can definitely see the physical side here too. Um, but that's some par- very powerful statements he's making here, right? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. Mm-hmm. That's pretty extreme, right? Yeah. Now, I mean, it doesn't really say whether it's physically. You can also take the interpretation of Christ saying that if you hate your brother mm-hmm. in your heart, then you technically have already murdered him, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount, right? You can definitely take that interpretation. But if you sin outside of church, you're a sinner. Um, nothing... You won't. You you can go to that extent. We don't know. Maybe he's talking in the context of what happened there in that church. It's possible. Could we say somebody was possible? Someone was murdered. Went to that extreme, or it could be like you said, Matthew, Sermon on the Mount, that if you hate someone, it's equivalent to murder. Yeah. Um, that's some pretty extreme, you know, very powerful statements that James is making here. And then he goes on to say, you covet and cannot obtain, uh, so you fight and quarrel. We fight and quarrel over things that we want to bring, to to have, right? Remember, because covet, desire. to covet, to and uh, to to covet or to be jealous is meaning you want something that someone else has that you do not have. Mm-hmm. And this, and he's keeping it pretty broad here. And I think this can be applied to many different things, right? It could be power, it could be cars, it could be positions in church, it could be friends. I'm sure people even coveted over people's wives because scripture definitely tells us not to do that. So that was definitely a problem. Yeah. So there could be a, a million different things where people covet and quarrel and fight with each other. I mean, unfortunately, we even hear stories where people will divorce their wives um, just to get with another woman from even from the same church. It's a very sad reality we live in, but that's a reality that's been going on for thousands of years. Scripture wouldn't be writing about those things if those things didn't even happen at that time. And I think today we can probably even relate, whether it be with your friend or somebody else, that like, do you, it's hard to believe that no one, or ask yourself, do you quarrel or fight with anyone at church right now? Mm-hmm. Like, like to our listeners, like think, just stop and think, do you have any kind of fights going on? You even disagree with somebody so much that you despise them. You don't yeah. like them. You'd rather walk on the opposite aisle. Mm-hmm. It happens. I think yeah. it happens very frequently. It definitely happens. Um, and that's kind of what he says. You do that because you cannot obtain what you're longing for. You you want something. You can't obtain it. 
Why can't you obtain it? Because you don't ask. But when you do ask, God doesn't give it to you. You don't receive because you ask going back to, again, your pleasures. So he doesn't mention any specific things that they are asking for. Yeah. So do you think... Could be a wide variety. Do you believe that you can have the best intentions? No, okay, let me take that back. Not the best intentions. You can ask for a godly thing, thing that supposedly will praise God in the end, but you're doing it so that you can still have a fleshy benefit. Like for example, right? Like a, I guess just because top of mind example, you're asking God to make you a pastor because yeah, you can take it to the extent that yeah, you're gonna serve the Lord, you're gonna uh, help people, but the, in the end, you know it because for you it's a big status thing, mm-hmm. right? Oh, absolutely. Pastor. Absolutely. And do you believe that he's talking about, you know, that's one of the many exam- possible examples. Do you think that's a possible And thing? then let's say there's another guy who you might even be friends with him, right? Mm-hmm. You might even grow up together or you studied together and the church is looking at him to make him pastor. And now you know there's things you and him disagree on, so you have strife with that person. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to think, why do I have this strife? Why do I really am so clung on what I disagree with that person on? And why do I debate and argue with him or dislike him for it? Is it because I actually disagree or because there's something more inside of myself that's desiring pleasure? Well, to disagree with someone is I mean, one disagree thing. on a level where... But when you start to despise and hate yes. that person, yes. I think that is where you're start stepping into the sinful area yes because i mean alex me and you even disagree on a lot of things but i don't hate you for it right i don't hate you for it. i don't talk down to you for it but there are people that will go to that extent they will even the most simplest things they'll hate and disagree with people just because they are different yeah well again we we disagree on things but i think we both approach each other in a way to um both learn something. Mm-hmm. We're not always like, I know exactly what I'm saying and you're saying it wrong. It's both of let's talk about it. You know, we're more more of a support disagreeance. <laughs> like, so I don't think it's strife. Talking you know? about verse four, where it says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Um, and Going even, back to pastor, right? You want yeah, to become a pastor. That's so that a good example. So uh, just previously it says, uh, you do not have because you do not ask. Um, I get this question a lot or actually I ask this question a lot in Sunday school. Um, so working with young teens, you know, 12 to 15 years old, I always ask them, do you pray to God for the newest, coolest iPhone? Or, you know, or Google Pixel or whatever the coolest, baddest phone is that just came out to the market. Most of them will say yes. And then I ask them why? And they can't answer that. Mm. If they do, they usually say, because it's cool, or because everyone else has one. Either everyone else has one or no one else has one and you want to be the one that has one. Mm-hmm. But none of them say that they ask it so they can use it for some kind of glorification. It's for more of a desire for pleasure. It's a fleshly desire. Yep. And so then I ask them like, well, if you pray to God, do you believe you will receive it? They're like, yeah. I'm like, did you get it? They're like, no. <laughs> I'm like, why? Well, I got a verse for you. <laughs> We're like, why? <laughs> Didn't you get, don't you believe that God's going to deliver? But it's crazy when you get 
like the older you get, the more serious. I mean, I understand with teens, teens, right? They don't have a job. They can't go and buy it on their own. Right. But at the same time, there's, there is some truth to that, right? Parents know better that in reality, there's, you can't, you're not going to use it for anything else but yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but, and I think God definitely speaks to parents a lot of times, but that's just a very kind of like basic, silly child. Fourth grade example. level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But thinking in our lives, like, do you guys have any examples that you might've asked something for God, but God didn't give it to you because in the later on, you realized that you were asking it for the wrong reasons? Oh yeah. Anything you can share? I got one, but it's kind of, it's kind of personal. Okay. That's um, fine. You don't have to if it's personal, but we can always edit it out. No, I, I think I'm, so I'll, I'll keep it very discreet. Uh, so very vague. Yeah. I wanted to do something in church because I have a different way of doing it than the church is doing it. And I really thought that my way was way better. Mm-hmm. So I tried my best to mentally suit up to my best suit, you know, my best outfit, meaning like spiritually, like position myself very, very best of my abilities to the people in charge in order to get in there and change it. And I prayed for that. I was like, I was, I was pretty much God, you know, I really want, I really want this change to happen. I think it's the correct change. I think the way they're doing it is obviously not working. Um, I just want you to, you know, bless me forth and, and let me know if it's your will, which realistically I was just hoping that it would be what I wanted to do, right? Um, and it didn't happen. And it didn't happen. I got denied. And that's the silly part is, is it's very obvious. God is like, come on, are you kidding me? Think about what you're doing. But I was blind to it because <laughs> I was so headed forward to do that. I thought that was the right thing until... Until I realized I need to, if God has not given it to me, I need to rethink what I'm doing. And only when I did that, I realized I was wrong. (laughs) That I, what I wanted to do wouldn't be detrimental. You know, it wouldn't ruin anything, but at the same time, it wouldn't change it for the better. It would just change it because I, I wanted to be the change and I wanted to be recognized or something like that for it. So I have a similar story too. Very, very, very yeah. little details, but yeah. that's what happened. I bet you I know what you're talking about. <laughs> but. Be quiet. <laughs> uh, I have a similar example. It's also personal too, but it kind of goes off of what you said. Always happens in marriage too. I yeah. Mean, that's how, so, that's, so that happens I, every day. Yeah. So when I was younger. <laughs> every day. What kind of marriage you <laughs> Be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> you probably should just stop talking for now. Yeah. Just listen to Vlad's story. Yeah, listen to my story, Alex. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so when I was younger... I was into this girl, like I was, I really liked her out of, the relationship was going and I was praying like that things would work out between us, you know, and I was like, God, make this work out. And then over time, the relationship just wasn't working. And as it was, we were falling out of the relationship, I kept praying and I was like, God, make this work, fix this, make sure this relationship, you know, like stays together. I really want this to happen. It kept praying and praying and praying. And at, at one point I realized that this might not be God's will. Mm-hmm. And when I came to that realization and I prayed to God and I said, God, if this is from you, let this happen. If it's not from you, make all my emotions, all my feelings just leave. M- make them just go away. 
And it's what the amazing thing that happened was like, I can't explain it, but I prayed that and my feelings just left. Like a switch. Like a switch. And it was amazing. I've never experienced that in my life. And looking back, I'm so grateful to God that he did not give me what I asked for. And I think that happened. We we might all have those stories. And it's they just come a, in various Yeah. Ways. And it's amazing how God really does look out for us. He doesn't allow us to to get what we actually want. Because mm-hmm. if we did, we'd really mess up our lives. There was a time, I mean, I guess my story is not really anything church or spiritual related like your guys. It was definitely more fleshly, like for example, a new car. I really wanted this new car. It was a it wasn't even anything to be proud of. It was a Prius, a brand new 2012 or 13 Prius. I just got married, was fairly young, didn't know how to manage my money yet. And <laughs> I was getting ready to trade in my Scion XB, which was still by far my favorite car I've, I've owned. I love that car. <laughs> it's like a box on it's wheels. The it was a, <laughs> the best part about it that I liked. It was a five-speed manual. Nice. Five-speed manual. I love that thing. I was paying maybe, I don't know. I mean, I was definitely mortgage, not mortgaging it, but I was loaning, <laughs> making payments on it. 30-year fix. <laughs> I was making payments on it to the dealer. $170 a month. Uh-huh. It was pretty low compared to today's standards. Oh, yeah. But I bought it used. Regardless of the fact, I was getting I was getting ready and I did make the choice to get to trade in that car for a Prius that tripled my monthly payment, skyrocketed my insurance because it's a brand new car now that's, you know, and you're it's on a loan. <laughs> and my argument was that in the end, I'm still gonna save gas money, mm-hmm. which was not the case because I was the more uh, I was spending a lot more just paying the car before insurance, before gas, than I was paying for my Sinex B with insurance, gas, and that $170 payment, right? So I was definitely losing money on making the Prius. It was a dumb mistake. What happened, <laughs> not even 10 months later, we totaled the car. And I don't, it's just every time my wife and I look back on that, we're like, yeah, what were we trying to achieve with that? That was just such a dumb mistake. It's like, like you said, you think it's in the right and you had signs beforehand that you shouldn't be doing this decision, but you go ahead and do it anyway. And God's yeah. just like, you know. But the, like I, f- I forgot to mention one point, like going back to um, just just my story here, um, it did cause that strife between mm-hmm. me and other members of church because um, number one reason was I thought I was right. I thought somebody else was wrong. And then I despised, I don't want to say despised. I didn't really like dislike or hate but it was just, I didn't have, I wasn't ready there was for- no peace. No peace. I wasn't ready for a good relationship with that person or the people. So I kind of like, um, you know, looked down upon them in a way where um, if if we got into a debate about something, there would be, there would be strife to where I would start disliking. Um, I would try to avoid, you know, topics with that person. I would try to avoid sometimes even shaking that person's hand. And while these things are happening, that strife was there. And I think um, I wasn't thinking about what's really in my heart, what's really going on here, what am I really trying to achieve, like you said, Serge, that's a good question to think about. And really, it was a desire for pleasure. And what I was doing was I was having that war inside of me, and I was losing, but I was taking it out externally to everybody else and trying to prove myself that I am correct even though I'm losing inside. 
And I didn't realize it until I stopped and think, if I'm not going anywhere, God, what are you trying to tell me? Mm-hmm. What are you trying to show me? And, and um, here's why I love that we're, bring, we're talking about this and James writes this is because James is telling us here, um, stop and think and, and don't be don't be the adulterer or adulteress in your spiritual life um, because you're focusing on your pleasures over what God wants done. So I want to, <clears throat> before we move on to the last couple verses, I just want to take a quick minute and talk about this uh, part that James mentioned is you, uh, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend on your passions. So a lot of people will may not be so familiar with this specific verses, but they will be familiar with this verse. Matthew chapter 21, verse 22, and it says, this is the words of Jesus, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will take this verse and apply it to anything in their life. I believe I need the Prius. Yes, including <laughs> your fleshly self-centered passions. Yep. Yep. That is not the case. Not the case. You have to read the Bible as a whole. There's many other passages that talk the other, um, fill in the blanks around this verse. One of them being First uh, John chapter five, verse fourteen and fifteen, and he writes this. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have. The request that we have asked of him. The key word is according to his will. And I do want to mention one more uh, verse that we've talked about. James chapter 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generally to all without reproach and it will be given to him. The key word is here, wisdom and according to God's will. When you have those two things, you will not be asking God for Lamborghini, for selfish, self-centered <laughs> things to satisfy your passions. Mm-hmm. Yep. You will only Amen. ask things that will actually truly glorify God because that is what you're trying to achieve. That is your end goal. That's what you're, uh, you know, s- striving for. Not using that as an excuse to satisfy your passions. So God's will, wisdom, those things have to be aligned. And how do you know? This is, you know, a question that you always hear on every single youth conference. Will know, of God. How do I know the will of God? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, let me ask you, how do you know the will of God? Mm-hmm. There's really only two ways. You read the scripture and you pray. That's it. You well, ask and you act on Yeah, you act on praying. things and God will open and close doors or, you know, do things in your life that will tell you things. But really, you act, you read the scripture so you know what to do, things to look out for. It will teach you how to pray. And then you pray and you ask God for guidance. He will give you the guidance. Here's a fourth grade example. I have a desire in my heart to be a missionary. God's will, if you're good at it, if that's what you're doing, God blessed you before, probably God's will. I want to be a missionary in Cancun, Mexico. Because it's really nice weather. You get to stay in some nice Nice resorts. God's will, I think that's more of yours. But your overall point, you're praying to be a missionary and God sends you to northern Mexico. Mm -hmm. Let's say northern Mexico, right near the U.S. border. Very dangerous. But hey, there's a church being built there. You know, stri- we're trying to reach out to these people. You're still going to Mexico. You're still a missionary, God's will. But you 
aren't in Cancun where your desires for pleasure or good weather are there, right? So like kind of like a very simplified way to think. Mm -hmm. And these are like real life things that happen. You know, they sound silly, but they happen. You know, a Prius is silly. Me coming into a, a place and wanting to change stuff because I think I'm right, that's silly. But it's it's fact, it's true, it happens, and we have to be careful. Mm -hmm. Be careful because if we don't, so James is talking to us, right? He's like, you have this strife, you have this desire for pleasure, you are now an adulterer or an adulteress. And you ask, why? How could I be an adulterer? Spiritual adulterer, you're cheating on God. How are you cheating on God? He says right here, do you not know that friendship with the world is an enmity with uh, God? I'm just, I'm just trucking forward. <laughs> like, I mean, like, we could always, we could always go. Zoom in Mark, through this thing. You're Mark an adulteress. How do you know <laughs> Mark's not here, so. Mark would be like, wait, back up, back yeah. up. Yeah, back up. Verse one. <laughs> but, but it's still supporting like what we're talking about. I think, do you not know that a friendship with the world is enmity with God? Um, m meaning that he keeps, continues, right? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So, um, we know that in the Old Testament, you know, the, the Jewish nation was oftentimes called... Um, Do you have that verse? Yeah. Did you find it? Spiritual harlot. Ezekiel 23, 45. You know, Serge did ask you if you had it. Yeah. I just <laughs> have it. This could have been avoided here, Vlad. I will say we have one, two, three, four, Bi five Bibles. One is closed. We have... All of our cell phones um, open to one scripture or another, and plus we have notes. So there's a lot of scripture going on here, but and scripture podcast. We <laughs> we um, while while Vlad is looking for that to kind of fill in the gap, it's uh, like I said, the Jews were talked about as the spiritual harlot. They always left God. They always mm -hmm. looked at other idols, at other things. They, in a way, cheated God, and they were oftentimes called like the whole nation was called an adulteress, right? It's that harlot, the well, spiritual what is, term. What is a harlot? Prostitute. Prostitute. It's mm -hmm. someone that goes around, you know, up sleeping around with everybody else for pleasure, yep. for money, right? In the spiritual sense, just like you, he's going to read here, the Israelites, uh, this is something that they were doing. And, you know, as we talked, just read Judges, right? How many yeah. times did they play the harlot? Constantly went to other gods all the time. One person rises, God helps them. He dies, they go back to, to idols. Can you read that verse, Vlad? Um, Ezekiel 23, 45. But righteous men shall pass judgment on them with sentence of adulteresses, with the sentence of women who shed blood because they're adulteresses, and blood is on their hand. Pretty much referring to Israel as mm -hmm. the adulteress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And James makes that connection. His audience is correct. for the, He's got the correct audience to make that statement. Mm -hmm. Yep. He's, he's really making a strong point here. People in the church doing in church for the church benefit, but in reality, their heart and spirit seems to be pretty far from the church, more even tied to the world because he says, do you not know that friendship with the world is animated with God? And what he's saying here is you don't necessarily have to physically live in the world to be friends with it. Like you don't have to go to a bar. You don't have to go to a strip club. You don't have to go to, you know, all these other things that you know Christians typically shouldn't be going to or doing out in the world for you to be friends with it. You can be a friend of the world by being in church, right? You can bring that world into the church. And that is a very, very dangerous thing to do because then you're not only de um, deceiving yourself, 
but you are probably going to become a stumbling block to other people. And that is going to be very strictly judged by God. I mean, uh, using the word adulterers and adulteresses, I think it's, it paints a good picture here what James is trying to say, because your affections are divided, essentially. Mm -hmm. Because if you are married, you are with your wife. Your affections should be solely committed to your wife. You're one. If you're divided and you are looking outside your marriage, outside your relationship, and you're trying to have a relationship with your wife, you're almost having divided emotions. That's kind of what he's saying, that you cannot be with Christ. You cannot belong to Christ. You cannot have um, your heart fully set on Christ and have your foot into the world and longing for the world to be like them and bringing that world into the church. I think it's a great parallel that he does here. You can't serve two masters. Exactly. That's the point he's making here. You can't call yourself a Christian. Read uh, John 1, 2, and 3. The letters of John 1, 2, and 3. He, the main thing that he always says is, uh, you cannot walk in the light and yet hate your brother. You mm-hmm. cannot call yourself a Christian and hate your brother. Those two, it's like oil and water. You cannot mix those two. Yeah. You can't just sprinkle salt on them to get them to mix. You can't do that in, in Christianity. It doesn't work that way. You can't hate your brother and go to church and then sprinkle a little bit of ministry on top of that to make yourself look innocent. That That, that doesn't work. It might work among people, but it doesn't work before God. He knows and sees everything. That's why when he says, like, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly, because God knows what you're trying to accomplish. He knows our hearts better than we do ourselves, Yep. right? So you become, he, you become an enemy of God here. Yeah. Like an enemy. Strong term. Oh, yeah. It is a strong term. It means that you have you're nothing against, in common. Against God. You are against God. You have nothing in common. You want the other the other side to be gone, eradicated, right? That's what it means to be an enemy. So what could the friend of the world be? Is it big or small? Is it, what's a, what's an example? Friend of the world? I go to church. Let's say I go to church three times a week. I sing in the choir, but I am a friend of the world in some ways. What could it be an example of that? Where you are a Christian, you're your sole desire is to be like Christ, right? You're born again. You want to be like Christ and you want to emulate Christ. You want to walk in the footsteps that he has walked. But when you are a friend of the world, you look up to people in the world. You want wealth. You want power. You want um, celebrity status. You want to be liked by everyone. That's kind of, in my mind, that's what it means to be a friend of the world where your ambitions are the ambitions of the world, where our ambitions should be holiness, righteousness, and to be just like Christ. That is our ambition. What's that one song? There's a country song. I forgot who sings it, but some of the, uh, I think the ref- one of the verses goes, uh, praying on them Sundays and cussing on them Mondays. Mm-hmm. I think that is a pretty, you know, vivid example. Simple, silly, but nonetheless, you know, if you constantly say derogatory remarks, right? crude humor, things that scripture tells us not to do, getting drunk all the time, right? Friday, Saturday, you get drunk and then you go to church. Christians, that's that's calling yourself a Christian, but yet being uh, a friend to the world, right? Scripture strictly says that drunkards are not going to go to heaven, right? People that literally get drunk, those are not going to heaven, right? It, it's not, heaven is not for the likes of those, uh, you know, 
homosexuality and all those other sins, Mm -hmm. adulterers, liars, thieves, people that constantly do uh, practice sinning constantly. Like this is something that they choose to do on a daily, if not weekly basis, right? That is being friends with the world in my mind or the way I interpret it. You brought up a few good points and you kind of like read my mind. I was thinking about um, just, for example, take homosexuality, right? You don't do it. You're, you don't do it. You don't think about it. Um, you know it's bad. You know it's a sin. So you don't have that in your life. But you have a coworker, a best friend who's mm, pretty open about it. And he's very close to you. You you love him as a friend. And you know that you're you know that scripture is against that. You know your church is against that. So you get mad when you're sitting at church and you get convicted or it's spoken of, you know, homosexuality is a sin and you can't be with God if you're if you're in that sin. So you start the strife inside of you and you're you get mad and you're like, why am I even here? Or you maybe even approach the preacher, the pastor, and say, why are we talking about this, these topics? Let's talk about how Jesus loves everybody. That's what everybody here wants to hear, not homosexuality is a sin. So you're not telling him right directly that you mm-hmm. don't want to hear about homosexuality. You're telling him that you don't want to, you just want to talk about Jesus loves, Jesus forgives. You don't want to feel offended. And a reason I bring this up, you can drive by in cities and see the... Um, rainbow flag which is pride you know flag. they took they took the rainbow what god made great and perverted it but you can see the pride flag hangs in the church churches yeah. what is that church saying that church is saying they're against scripture number one number two but somebody who even started that church or is in leadership of that church probably had you know that strife somewhere else and then he came and started either his own or started something like that the, the point, now the world has snuck into the church. It's there. And now it's there, and it's they're showing it to everybody. And that church might have a lot of members, might have a lot of finances coming in. That church might think, God is blessing us. You know, we're, do, we're fine. But yet it's so far, so far from God. Mm-hmm. And um, friendship with the world, I think that's... Exactly. They what don't the, realize they're exact, an enemy of God. Exactly, yeah. because they're going against Scripture if they're for abortion. Uh, yep. homosexuality, those are very hot topics in our day. And it, to this month, June, is Pride Month. Yeah, and you get a whole month. We, they get a whole a month. whole month. And you see it all over social media. All the companies are promoting it. You're seeing it everywhere. And try to stand up against it. You know, you will be fired, canceled. Yeah, run over. We're and, lucky to have one day of prayer a year, but Pride <laughs> gets a whole month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, I think that's what he's talking about here. You're be a friend of the world. You're trying to live in both worlds. You're trying to have friends. You're trying to have the respect of the world, and you're trying to be with God. And God says, if if you follow my footsteps, you will be persecuted. People will hate you. Mm-hmm. And that's the life we are. Scripture is offensive. Yeah, very offensive. It's very, very offensive. offensive. And it, Scripture itself says that it's offensive to, um, you know, to the sinner, and it should be. Right. And James is pretty straightforward and flat out here too, uh, uh, addressing this. Yeah. And as we read, uh, you know, the last verse, verse five, it says, or do you suppose it is to uh, no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? And um, some passages um, may say that, uh, may refrain this 
verse a little bit differently. Um, I actually have it opened up here to, uh, like, for example, the uh, King James Version. <clears throat> it actually says, Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusts to envy? And if you take the context of this, um, you really, the bottom line is that God wants us to have a relationship with him and not with the world. We are to be friends with God, not the world. Um, you know, for example, like the ESV, if you read it, the ESV, it will kind of say from like the human perspective, from the godly perspective, mm -hmm. saying that he, meaning God, yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. Like God made us in his own image. God made us so that we can have a conversation with him, so that we can have a relationship with him. And he built that into us to always yearn, to always have that desire to, um, God. To, to God, to have, so that we get closer to God and know him and talk to him and not be friends with the world. And if you read the King James Version, um, it's worded differently, right? He says, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy. And it's the same thing, but coming from the human perspective, um, that our spirit wants to know God. Unfortunately, we tend to uh, silence that spirit. We tend to focus on our own desires instead of our spiritual well-being, welfare, you know, end goal being salvation. The point here is the same, that God created us to have a relationship with him, right? Look at it from the human perspective, look from the godly's perspective. We are creating his image. We are to be like Jesus, right? Uh, not in the sense of power, but to be sinless, try to be sinless and pure and holy like Jesus glorifying God. That is the bottom line here in verse five. What do you think, Vlad? Yeah, and it, it kind of relates back to what we were saying with adulterers and adulteresses. He yearns jealously over the spirit. If you are in a relationship and you want their ex exclusive um, attention and love from them, you wouldn't want it divided. The same way that God looks at us and he wants our total commitment and total undivided attention toward him. But if and our spirit yearns jealously, you know, so he doesn't want us in the world. He doesn't want our, our affections divided. He wants our attention on him. And in our spirit, the Holy Spirit in us is to desire God. And exactly what you said, that it's, it's God's spirit, the Holy Spirit yearns jealously. Mm -hmm. I just want to mention one more verse and we're going to wrap up. Um, so going off for verse five, I want to cross-reference uh, John 4.23. And he writes the following. These are the words of... Um, uh, he writes the Father, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Um, as we were talking about, a lot of people can make this facade of people being Christians, them being Christians, and try to show that, right, on a, on a facade type of physical, on the physical level, right, being involved in ministry, singing in the choir, being a pastor, so forth and so on. But even with these, uh, very progressive type churches that accept homosexuality and allow people to do whatever they want as long as they're in church and praising God or whatnot. But in reality, they're super far from God spiritually. God isn't seeking those kinds of people. He's seeking the true worshipers in spirit. Why is the spirit part so important? Because, you know, it, that's, it's the basis of our faith, uh, the basis of our salvation, you know, faith, uh, grace, mercy. These are all type, spiritual types things. If that's not there, then we, if you're not friend with God on the spiritual level, 
your physical things can be there, but if your heart is not there, then if you remember what uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven, saying that many people will come to him um, saying, you know, Lord, Lord, we did all these things in your name, but he says, depart from me because I, I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. They might've been doing Christian-like things, but their heart and spirit was not there. And same thing here is that if your spirit is not God, with God, no matter how many physical ministries you may do on a, you know, on a personal level, that doesn't matter because if you're not in a relationship with God on a spiritual level, the end goal is not going to be salvation. It's going to be eternal judgment, damnation. That's, that's going to be the end result of that. But if you are in a spiritual relationship with God, then, you know, what comes physically after that really shouldn't even be a, a question. Because in the end, if you are in a true relationship with God, you're only going to want to do good for God, right? Yeah. You're not going to want to hurt him. Yes, there will be occasions where we mess up, right? But God's going to be help you to get back up and get right back on your feet and continue to move forward. Um, so I think that is a key difference is to know that God is, the Father is seeking people that are earnestly worship him in spirit, not just physically. Exactly. So Kind of going off of what you said, 2 Corinthians 6.14, or what does fellowship with light have with darkness? Exactly, like we have no commonality. So that is our spirit is to see God. Uh, so if any of you are listeners today um, might have some kind of battle in church that you're, you know, maybe despising someone for some kind of disagreement, you um, it's okay to disagree with people, right? Depending on how severe that disagree on what exactly that disagreement is. Um, but the more important thing is, is to make sure that you are still able to step over that and love your brother. Scripture always calls us to love your brother. Even Jesus Christ himself said that, you know, that's how people know that we are his is if we show love towards one another. Um, so my call for all of our listeners today is to take some time today, you know, this week, think about where you are with God. If you're not in a relationship with God, you know, I highly encourage you to, seek God, to pray to God, to help him, to help so that he can help you, guide you to himself and show you how, what he has prepared for you, how much he loves you and how much he wants you to be with him for the rest of eternity. Um, and if you do have any quarrels in your church, also pray to God, read the scriptures and he will definitely help you to overcome any quarrels, any strife, any anger. And uh, so that there will be peace among your brothers. I'll go ahead and end in prayer. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us this opportunity to be here today, that we are able to study your scriptures, that you teach us so much today about how important it is to love each other, how important it is to uh, do things for your glory, not for our selfish passions, not for our self-centeredness, so that just so that we will feel good, but so that it will benefit the people, and most importantly, that it will glorify your name. I pray for our listeners that might be experiencing such troubled times right now, whether in their church or in their family, that you give them the wisdom to act accordingly, to do the right things, that your name be glorified. And I pray for those that may not come to know you yet, that you touch their hearts and they may accept you as your personal Savior. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.